millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we start, I just want to note that this episode discusses sexual assault and that some listeners may find the content distressing. Feel free to sit this one out. I bring you a message today from the people of Ireland. The eyes desire peace with England and with the rest of the world. It is a question of a republic. And we want the creation of a new Ireland. I wish to talk to you this evening about the state of the nation's affairs. I wish to talk to you this evening Welcome to the History of Ireland. The American Commission on Conditions in Ireland, published in February 1921, had this to say about the treatment of women in Ireland during the War of Independence. The fact that for four and a half years, an army of at least 78,000 British was occupying Ireland without provoking charges of major sensual offences against Irish women is remarkable. It would appear to be more remarkable when that army is proved to contain drunkards, highway robbers, gunmen and petty thieves. It would seem to the commission that the credit for sparing of Irish womanhood must be attributed at least in part to the officers commanding the Imperial British forces in Ireland. Now, this belief that Irish women were spared and got off rather lightly in the Irish War of Independence found its way solidly into the history books. You'll see it repeated again and again that rape and sexual assault was remarkably rare in the conflict. Over the next two episodes, we're going to explore and interrogate this assumption and look at how women were treated throughout the war. And there are no prizes for anyone who guesses early that it's all a lot more complicated than originally thought. The mostly male historians argue that both the Republican and British sides were slow to disrespect women and that the tiny number of reported cases suggests sexual assault was just not a factor in this war. However, in the last five to ten years, an increasing number of historians, people like Louise Ryan, Susan Byrne and Anne Matthews, have begun to question this claim and are re-examining the female experience in the War of Independence. To begin with, one of the most common forms of assault inflicted on women during the Irish War of Independence was the practice of forced head shaving, or bobbing. This was carried out extensively by both the IRA and the British. The IRA used this frequently on women they suspected of spying or fraternising with the British. While the Black and Tans did it for much the same reason, shaving women they believed to be helping the IRA. A common Amman member explained it saying, quote, These were days when girls were roughly searched and had their hair cut off by British soldiers. 
while a member of the IRA's Cork No. 1 Brigade describes how I remember at the time young girls from Cork going out to Ballincollig to meet the British soldiers. We curbed this by bobbing the hair of resistant offenders. Short hair was completely out of fashion at the period and the appearance of a girl with bobbed hair clearly denoted her way of life. Or another IRA member described it saying, quote, Some young girls created a problem. The British uniform was an attraction for them, as indeed would any uniform. They could be a real danger to the movement and gave bad example by consorting with the enemy. They were warned repeatedly and stronger measures had to be resorted to. No volunteer liked the job, but on occasions these girls' hair had to be cut. And look, initially cutting your hair off doesn't seem that bad. And some historians sort of go, well, the men got shot. All that happened to the women was they had a haircut. Even the term bobbing downplays how violent it could be. But imagine it. You're sleeping quietly at home. You're alone. Maybe you've been tending to flying column men all day. Or you made the mistake of chatting to a British officer. Either way, in the middle of the night, you wake to the sound of masked men breaking down your door. Wearing nothing but a nightdress, you manage to jump out the back window and run through the wet, cold fields. The men follow until you can't run anymore. One of them strips you down, hangs you up by your hair, and roughly hacks it off as the rest cheer him on. They then leave you, lying in the grass, your head bleeding. Kathleen Clark, a leading member of Cumminamon, wrote in a letter how a woman named Agnes Daly was attacked in such a way by the British. She said, They grabbed her, threw her on the ground, and pulled her to the gate on her face by the hair. Then one of them put his foot on her back and stooping over, cut off her hair with a razor. So it was much more violent than a mere haircut. Women would then be left humiliated and a shorn woman was often looked down upon by the community, especially if she'd had her hair cut due to dealing with the British. As historian and sociologist Linda Connolly puts it, the shearing of women's hair was not a benign act at the individual or collective level. It constituted a form of symbolic, physical and sexualized violence that singled out women as sexual transgressors and traitors and could terrorize them depending on the nature and duration of the assault inflicted. And sometimes the attackers went further than just bobbing. Among the IRA, bobbing could sometimes be used as a warning before moving on to more drastic measures. There are stories of an IRA troop piercing a woman's buttocks with a pig ring. And there's instances like Bridget Noble from Castletown Bear. Noble was accosted by the IRA in March 1921 and quote, After she had returned from a hospital visit, her hair was bobbed or shorn as a punishment ordered by the local IRA battalion. Subsequently, her house was searched after a military raid, 
by order of the captain of the Ard Groom Volunteer Company. And in this search, part of a letter from the RIC head constable in Castletown Bear was found, along with five half-torn letters from other RIC members and two photographs of RIC men. Once these were found, she was shot. There was also the very high-profile case of Mary Lindsay, a 60-year-old woman who was kidnapped along with her chauffeur also in March 1921. She had overheard plans for an ambush in Cork and had immediately gone to the local RIC. She was held captive and the IRA hoped to trade her and her driver for some captured IRA men. When the British executed the IRA soldiers, the Cork Brigade did the same to Mary Lindsay. As Flying Column member Frank Fustede put it, The impression I got of her was that she was a stubborn woman, that you would not get any information from her. She wasn't cooperative, notwithstanding the fact that she was sentenced to death. I told her she was going to die. She never blinked an eye. I will say this for her bravery. She was excellent. The whole incident was actually highly embarrassing for the GHQ and the IRA. It kind of turns out that shooting a 60-year-old woman is not great for publicity. Traditionally, that's where historians stop. They mention bobbing and a few murders and kind of move on. But as I've said, an increasing amount of research has gone on into sexual assault during the Irish War of Independence. And sadly, it seems a lot of women's experiences were overlooked and played down. As discussed, sometimes the war has even been said to be in a relatively, quote, clean war. But next week, we're going to look at research that sadly proves we've been ignoring a huge part of the experiences of women who lived through the Irish War of Independence. Thanks for listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell your friends. It really helps. You can also support the show, buy merch, and get in touch all through our website, thehistoryofireland.com. Or you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. It's always great hearing from you guys. And if I've made a mistake, please do let me know. The History of Ireland was written and produced by me, Kevin Dolan. Additional research and fact-checking by Robert Babington, music by Liam Doyle, and additional help from assistant producer Aoife Murphy. This podcast was recorded in the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.